Welcome to Healing at the Speed of Light. Every week, we discuss how laser therapy is changing healthcare and how you can benefit. Now, here is your host and founder of Laser Therapy Institute, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Well, welcome. Thanks for joining us today on Healing at the Speed of Light. This is our patient-focused podcast. We do this every other week, and we try and present information that is useful and uh, hopefully a little bit entertaining and informative for patients. And we try and do that through presenting research-based information in a a way that is easy to digest if you don't have 18 years of postdoc education mm-hmm. behind you. Um, because there's so much that you can learn from research, even as a patient, right. um, in, in terms of what you should be doing for your own healthcare. And uh, we are big fans of laser therapy, mm-hmm. as the name might suggest, or as it's called now, photobiomodulation. Don't try to say that five times fast. Right? <laughs> yep. Um, I'll say we do still use the term laser therapy uh, as our main term because we do cater to laser therapy clinicians. And in, in clinical practice, lasers are still really the best thing to use simply because they are faster, they are more precise, they are oftentimes very expensive, but they are the best clinical tools. And so uh, for the foreseeable future, I think most clinicians are going to be using lasers. Mm-hmm. But the equal term to that is light therapy or photobiomodulation. So I already got a comment about, yeah, oh, yeah, there's there's some amazing things that we're going to talk about today for sure. You know, uh, Parkinson's is one of them. We're talking specifically about right. neurodegenerative disorders. So mm-hmm. before I get any further, let me introduce who we are. This is Christy. Christy is a certified laser tech, and she has delivered thousands of laser treatments over the years. She's currently also our uh, VP of content development here at Laser Therapy Institute, where we support laser therapy professionals, healthcare providers out there who are trying to use this amazing technology for their patients. My name is Jason Roundtree. I'm a chiropractor and a certified medical laser safety officer. And I founded LTI Mm -hmm. and we are currently uh, up to clinics in I think eight or nine states. And um, we just are expanding overseas now as well. So if you're looking for uh, more information about what we talk about today, or a laser therapy clinic near you, you can go to our website, lasertherapyinstitute.org, and you can click on the link that says clinics and hopefully find somebody near you. So, given all that, mm-hmm. let's get into the topic today. And I think my mic's not working right now, so I might have check. to check with you. I might just have you... Oh, there we go. Is we it? Are. We're good. Yeah. Okay. All We're... right. Excellent. Just wanted to make Good sure eyes. our technical dif- difficulties, or we didn't have technical difficulties, because we yes. want to be able to have people here. People are only here to listen to me, though, Christy. Exactly. <laughs> You're the most important one. No, 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 one, no but... not at all. So, actually, Christy, I'm going to ask you for a favor today. Uh-huh. I want you to try and disregard all the things you know about laser therapy, <laughs> and I want you to play the part of the patient. And you've treated hundreds of thousands, hundreds if not thousands of patients. Right. So try to take that approach today um, as we talk because you're kind of my stand-in for patients who don't quite know much about this, okay? I'll play dumb. All right. All right. Good. Actually, inexperienced. Inexperienced. We don't don't want to say dumb. Not dumb necessarily because, I mean, there's there's doctors even who never heard of this. You just don't know what you don't know. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we we, we see this all the time with healthcare practitioners um, and providers people who just don't even know what laser therapy is or that right. it even exists, even though so, it's been around since the 60s. Right. So we're not saying dumb. We're just saying 
un, you just don't know what you don't know yeah. until you know it. Yeah, so. that's and that's why we do this podcast, right? To help people know and understand what uh, exactly what's going on out there and, and be able to make good choices about healthcare. Right. So um, we're going to the research today to talk about neurodegenerative disorders, and this is everything from Parkinson's, as has already been mentioned, mm-hmm. to Alzheimer's, uh, ALS, mm-hmm. um, dementia, uh, cognitive decline. So many things, even a little bit um, like post-concussive syndrome. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we're going to cover a lot of ground today and we're going to try and stay kind of generic and and be able to hopefully transmit this information in a way that is understandable and usable for the average person. Mm -hmm. So um, let me give you the bottom line up front where we just go ahead and summarize exactly what we're going to talk about here and then we'll expand as we go on. So in this paper, they say neurodegenerative diseases might be slow but relentless as we continue to fail in treating or delaying their progression. Photobiomodulation can be translated to a potential therapeutic tool acting through a spectrum of mechanisms that work together to decelerate disease progression in the organism, which is difficult to achieve through pharmacological interventions. So a little bit of a hopeless picture there in the beginning, Mm -hmm. but hopeful that photobiomodulation or laser therapy could be a great tool for combating these neurodegenerative disorders. Now, if you want to look at this paper, you certainly are welcome to. Uh, We'll be dropping a link to it in the show notes once the podcast goes live. Uh, But in the meantime, if you want to look it up right away, the title of the paper is The Molecular Mechanisms of Action of Photobiomodulation Against Neurodegenerative Diseases, a Systematic Review. This was published in Cellular and Molecular Neurobiology in December of 2020. Very new paper. Very new. Yeah. If you're a healthcare practitioner listening to this, we actually already covered this one a couple months ago um, on the LTI podcast, a little more in-depth from that uh, practitioner standpoint. Um, But today, talking about the patient standpoint. So what does all this really mean? I think a good place to start is by trying to understand what a neurodegenerative disease is first. And so, number one, uh, the first thing that happens really with neurodegenerative disorders is you have a decline in mitochondrial function. And the mitochondria is the energy producer inside the cell. If you're not producing enough energy, that cell cannot function correctly. It cannot repair itself. It cannot perform its intended design. Right. The second thing that we see in neurodegenerative disorders, and this is, again, across the board, all neurodegenerative disorders, is a toxic level of chronic inflammation. And that is, those two combined is where we get to the point where the cells, the neurons in the brain, have less and less function or stop functioning or even die. Going to the study, to give you a couple of quotes there, they say, Reduced cytochrome C oxidase activity, which is one of the mechanisms within the mitochondria, right? Mm -hmm. Decreased mitochondrial membrane potential and lower ATP generation are seen in brains of neurodegenerative disease patients. The presence of chronic inflammation also ends up being cytotoxic toward the neurons. Cytotoxic meaning cellular level of toxicity. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's pretty deep. It is a little deep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think most of us in high school probably got a, a picture of, you know, what happens with the mitochondria, the performance there. And, you know, uh, the interior workings of the mitochondria are very complex. We're not going to go into them today. But cytochrome C oxidase is a key step in producing ATP or cellular energy within the cell. 
and um, the mitochondrial membrane potential is important too. And very, very basically, what happens is on the mitochondrial membrane, you need a charge difference from one side to the other to enable the passage of materials in and out of that mm -hmm. uh, mitochondria. If you don't have a good difference, then you don't get translation of materials from the outside to the inside. And that is a big step in making that whole energy generator run, right? Mm -hmm. So several different factors here uh, when it comes to neurodegenerative diseases. The, uh, the mechanisms don't work as well. That charge difference mm -hmm. doesn't work as well. And then the cells are placed into a toxic environment. So, questions so far? Thoughts? Well, is that just due to age? No. No. We don't think so. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of theories about really why this happens, why the mitochondrial function decreases, um, and, and why this cytotoxic environment kind of gets into effect. The biggest kind of leading theory right now is a chronic inflammatory process. This is something you see, especially in diseases like diabetes. Okay chronic inflammatory processes that are stimulated by the presence of increased sugars, mm -hmm. uh, lowering of insulin resistance. Um, we, we don't really know all the mechanisms thereof, but there certainly is a lot of correlations there. Okay. So more research is going to be good for that. But definitely uh, managing insulin resistance, managing sugars. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're diabetic, you're at risk for so many more diseases. And right. Uh, a lot of it may come back to this whole decline in mitochondrial function and this toxic environment that the cells then have to live in. Yeah. Okay. So if we understand that that's what's going on in neurodegenerative disorders, you have cellular dysfunction and um, uh, chronic inflammation, then we want to go on to, okay, fine, understand that. Now, how do we change that? Right. Right? So let's talk about how photobiomodulation works because we get this question all the time. Okay, people say, all right, I, I understand what I've got going on, and I understand you're telling me that this laser therapy uh, is supposed to help, but like, how? How, how can mm -hmm. shining some light on something make it any different? And that's a good question. That's that a, a very question. valid question. So know? light is just a, a type of radiation in the electromagnetic spectrum, and we know that UV light can stimulate the production of vitamin D, mm -hmm. right, in the tissues, mm -hmm. And that is, that is a process that the cells are designed to go through. They pick up light of a certain color, in this case UV, and then they are able to use that to stimulate the production of vitamin D. This is kind of similar. If we use the right kind of light in the infrared spectrum. Specific light. Specific light. Mm -hmm. Then we can stimulate certain processes in the body. And that is by increasing the activity of cytochrome C oxidase, which we already mentioned as a key component of the mitochondria, also increasing water and ion channel function within the mitochondria to maintain that cross-membrane gradient, that, that charge mm -hmm. difference mm -hmm. to enable the, uh, the movement of ions in and out of the mitochondria. Because you need that water or that moisture in order for that conduction to work yes. back and forth. And so cytochrome C oxidase can actually absorb infrared light and makes it more active mm -hmm. and then other colors of infrared light can stimulate more water viscosity mm -hmm. changes. And so that, that allows more translation across these membranes. Also, it tends to lower oxidative stress. So I'll read you a couple more quotes here. They say, due to its direct action on the mitochondria, photobiomodulation could be used as a potential therapeutic strategy for neurodegenerative diseases 
which remain untreatable to date owing to the complex and layered aspects of the disease. In most cases, photobiomodulation shows beneficial effects by increasing mitochondrial function, reducing protein accumulation, which is like the amyloid proteins in Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. reducing oxidative stress, and suppressing inflammation. So really, if you take the mechanisms, what's happening in a neurodegenerative disease where you have decreased mitochondrial function, increased inflammation, we're counteracting that by using light. So I'm gonna go through wave tops on the cellular effects. Um, I don't wanna overwhelm anybody, but if you're asking the question, how does this really work? This is really how it works. So photobiomodulation stimulates mitochondrial activities by that direct absorption of this, these special kinds of light, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, that also, by stimulating those mitochondria, it also triggers signaling pathways. And signaling pathways are really important to keep the cells talking to each other, to keep the insides of the cells communicating, and to keep that cell healthy and responsive to the environment that it finds itself in. So we increase these intra or within the cell signaling pathways, as well as extracellular pathways. And then that helps to activate and maintain the neurons of the brain. So activating and maintaining those neurons is essential if you want to combat or reverse a neurodegenerative disease. We also have the anti-inflammatory aspects of photobiomodulation, which helps to prevent that kind of buildup of that mm. toxic environment that they're living in. Do you know what apoptosis is? I've heard the term. Okay, good. Yes. No, you're playing. She's got, she's, she knows, but she's, she's doing what I asked her to earlier and, and playing a little bit uh, un, 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 inexperienced there. Mm -hmm. So apoptosis is where the cell actually kills itself because it's under so much strain that it kind of recognizes the fact that it can't function well and it can't repair itself. And it's actually become becoming a danger to the body. So it will go through this apoptosis process. Well, the more that that happens within the brain, the more neurons you lose. So light therapy helps to prevent this apoptosis action by making the cell healthier. It also increases the antioxidant capacity of the cells, which helps protect them from ongoing damage, mm -hmm. and it helps to preserve the mitochondria. So more mitochondria that function better in a healthier environment, that's really how we fight that neurodegenerative change. Now, do you think that's instant? I would venture to say no. Basically, you're correct. Mm -hmm. there, there are some mechanisms that are instant. They, there's instantaneous changes that happen when you get light mm -hmm. into these damaged uh, and stressed cells. But really seeing the changes needs time. Right. So you're right. It is not really an instantaneous process. It can begin immediately, mm -hmm. but seeing the benefits often takes some time. See, that's a trick question. Yes, it is. You know, because it does start immediately, but the long term takes longer. Yeah. See, that also, though, I get to tell you that you're right, no matter okay. what you say. <laughs> Carefully crafted question there. No, I mean, there, there's some some on the yes side, some on the no side. Right. Um, but ultimately, you're right. It does take time to really see those effects, see those benefits. Now, we already briefly mentioned the protein side, mm -hmm. the amyloid plaques. If you've looked into uh, Alzheimer's in particular, you've probably read quite a bit about amyloid plaques. And we know that those build up on the brain in especially the moderate and advanced uh, Alzheimer's patients. Um, and this particular paper says that you can see a reduction in those amyloid plaques. They say that photobiomodulation is effective in reducing the amyloid plaque burden 
either by stimulating the body's own kind of uh, destructive process through the through the microglia phagocytosis of those protein aggregates, uh, or by altering the expression of enzymes that are involved in amyloid production. Hmm. So you can get a natural reversal, not, mm -hmm. a, not, not by burning or cutting anything, but by helping the body to manage those amyloid plaques. Also, photobiomodulation activates a multidimensional stress response system within the cells by altering the expression and activity of the genes and proteins involved in mitochondrial dynamics to alleviate mitochondrial stress. So it starts to turn on multiple different factors within the cell to protect and upgrade that cell's response to stress, especially inflammatory stress. Yeah, and that's what breaks it all down and, and makes it all function properly. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. you need okay. these cells to function well mm -hmm. if you're going to, again, fight or mm -hmm. reverse neurodegenerative disorders. The next one they say is that photobiomodulation influences an interconnected network of cellular signaling towards a beneficial effect. They say that it affects multiple pathways and multiple proteins, each of which often regulates very different functions in the same cell type. And that is to say that we get all these cells talking to each other and we get these cells to where they can communicate again and they can function as one interconnected unit. That's incredibly important for most organs, but especially for the brain. Mm -hmm. When you lose that intercellular uh, signaling and communication, it drastically affects the function of how the brain can do for short-term memory and mood. I mean, so many things. It actually sounds very exciting to, and gives people hope. Well, yes, and we don't want to give false hope no. necessarily. Um, no. But at the same time, you know, we're already in a hopeless situation mm -hmm. with neurodegenerative disorders. It, mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, you know, if you, if you suspect there's a neurodegenerative disorder that's happening, and you go to a neurologist, I mean, you're really not given a lot other than a possible timeline for right. that to continue going. You know, on right. the decline, there's really not a lot that is offered. And um, we're learning more every day about not only light therapies for this, but other treatments as well, and lifestyle changes that can mm -hmm. affect too. And we're not gonna touch on those today. No. It's a little beyond the scope of this podcast, but you know, just within the last couple of years, I mean, this study is only a couple of years old, mm -hmm. um, not even two years old. Um, and so we're learning more and more every day. So to rely on something that your doctor might have learned in school 20 years ago, um, or, you know, some older information, really that's not a good place to be. Right. Yeah. And that's where I mean hope. I mean, here's yeah. something that has potential. Let's investigate further, yeah. you know, through the research and through what they're, what we're learning. Right. Right. So, so we've talked about kind of, um, how neurodegenerative diseases work and how light therapy helps to fight against those mechanisms of neurodegenerative disease. Most people at that point then want to know, okay, how do we use that? What, what, what do we do with that? Mm -hmm. And most people go, well, how would you ever get this light to the brain? Well, you have a thick skull. I right. mean, most, that's a fun term for some people. You have a <laughs> thick skull, but how do you get light through the skull to the brain? Mm -hmm. Yep. Most people will just go, well, you, obviously you can't, right? You know? Oh, but you'll tell us differently. I am. Sure. <laughs> I'm going to tell you differently. Yeah. The, actual, the most mm -hmm. common use of light therapy for the brain is something called transcranial application. That is where you take a light source, like this little mag light here, and you put it right on the skull, 
and that helps you to transmit light at least to the skin. Now, some colors of light mm -hmm. will impact the skin. They get absorbed there. That's the end. That's mm -hmm. it. Right. Now, that's most of your visible light like this. Even some other light, um, like red light, which I'll, I'll just use this guy for a demo, um, but red light is often absorbed just at or right below the skin. So this light, put this on the brain too, it doesn't actually make it through to the skull either. So what does? So what does? Well, we do know at this point that infrared light, which is invisible light, you can just a little bit maybe see it on the camera here. Um, if you and I look at it, you, you can't really see it at all. But infrared light can actually pass right through bone. And the right kind of infrared light can not only go through bone, but then be absorbed at the level of the brain. And you've always used that analogy mm -hmm. of you shine a light through your hand, it goes through the bone and, you know. Right? You can, you can see it. You can even see that with, with the red light. You can see it coming through along the skin there. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the idea here. Uh, and and it, it just has to be the right kind of light right. in order to get that, that light to the tissues that you want to target. So transcranial is the way that needs to go. It's got to be the right color of light or wavelength is the term that is used. And you have to put it in the right spot. If you put it on the shoulder, it's less likely to work. I can understand that. Yes. <laughs> yes. So um, usually you need it to be absorbed by the brain, sometimes mm -hmm. by the spinal cord. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, you want both. You want to absorb light in the entire central nervous system, the spinal cord and the brain as well. So to do that, you gotta have the right kind of wavelength. You gotta put it in the right spots, whether that's along the spine or on the head. Oftentimes, the back of the head is the number one kind of window mm -hmm. for light to enter the brain. So is the frontal portion of the head here. So in a lot of cases, you'll end up with light from the front and the back of the head in order to get some into the brain and then the neck and the mid back. So you wouldn't be able to cord. go into a tube and have this be effective. Not necessarily. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of times people think, oh, just put light, put mm -hmm. this light all over. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, we don't have a lot of evidence that that can work well yet. Uh, there may be evidence coming down the pipe, but right now it looks like this, the targeted delivery of light to the correct areas, uh, are going to give us the best results for getting light into these nervous system tissues. The next piece you got to figure out is is the dosage. How much light? How often? Um, mm -hmm. You know, how, once a week, five times a week. Wh what does that look like? That is where the research is still not conclusive. We don't really know from research exactly what the most effective is. Now, from a clinical standpoint, and things that I've seen in practice over the years, and from putting together what we do know mm -hmm. from research, in many cases, somewhere in the two to three times a week, is often a good strategy for starting care but it's not hours upon hours those two and three times a week is it well it depends on the laser unit you're using the okay. wavelength you're using you gotta have the right wavelength and you've got to have enough power mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so very wise question as you're playing um playing an experience over there yes you have to have enough dosage delivered to get a response so if i take this flashlight here which has just the tiniest amount of visible light, really, and I do this, I could do this all day and I'm never gonna get any light mm -mm. to the tissues where I want it. If I take this little handheld LED unit, it's, it's a nice little unit, mm -hmm. but it does not deliver, this particular one at least, does not deliver enough light to get me a therapeutic dose to, to the brain that's going to be effective. 
even if I hold it here for an hour. It, mm -hmm. It's probably not going to be quite enough. Mm -hmm. That's where it comes to the, the modern lasers that uh, healthcare practitioners use. They, in most cases, can produce enough light, targeted light, to deliver a therapeutic dose mm -hmm. to the brain tissues, to the spinal cord as well. Okay. Yep. So, next part here. Um, you know, people go, okay, well, why aren't we doing more of this? Mm -hmm. And number two, well, you know, what about the medication that's been recommended? So number one, to answer that one, why aren't we doing more of this? Well, it is still experimental. There are still a lot of doubts um, for most healthcare practitioners. We don't have quite enough research yet, although we have a lot of research. Mm -hmm. um, and the actual devices that can work and the the uh, the treatment regimen, you know, the protocols, all that is still very up in the air. Yeah. So that's why. But, you know, why not medications? What do you think? Well, from what I know about medications, there are side effects. And you can have good or bad side effects. And you may not want the side effects that that medication gives. Mm -hmm. um, they could be more detrimental than, than anything else. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, most all medications are going to have some level of side effects depending on uh, you know you as a patient and your dosage it, it may not be a problem or they may be a significant problem i've i've seen multiple people that had to discontinue a, a medication regimen because of the side effects um, however in some cases it can be helpful what i want to point out here is that doing light therapy does not exclude you from also doing the medication side if that is something that can work for you that may help reduce symptoms great the both and both and is okay mm -hmm. but we don't have any medications yet that reverse neurodegenerative disorders and there's there's a couple reasons behind that in this paper again they say singularly targeting a particular signaling cascade is bound to fail as seen with most pharmacological drugs for neurodegenerative diseases so far since each pathway intersects with others to bring about a collective outcome meaning this is so complex you can't just pick one thing to address with a drug and think that it's going to help the whole picture mm -hmm. these cells are interrelated interdependent and the inside mechanisms as well as all the signaling mechanisms all need to work well and medications just aren't targeted that way so what i'm understanding and hearing is light therapy is targeted and can be targeted to really affect the area that's needing the the regeneration right not only the area of the brain but also the complex uh, mechanisms signaling. all these mm -hmm. signaling pathways that we mentioned the mitochondria mm -hmm. cytochrome c oxidase the way the cells talk to each other within each other changing these uh, the uh, the viscosity of the mm -hmm. water layers the interfacial water layers all of these really complex ideals you, you really can't address all that with a medication right You're, you can pick one or two of those maybe mm -hmm. but these guys are saying if you can't affect the entire system in a beneficial way like light therapy does that's why these drugs they say are bound to fail they say other than symptomatic treatments most drugs aimed at slowing disease progression just slowing disease progression fail in human studies even when they do show promise in animal studies hmm. human mind the human brain is very complex and very interdependent so yes. all right makes sense sort of yeah still a lot of i mean this is one you might want to re-listen to yeah yeah we covered a lot today mm -hmm. uh, and you know i think the key takeaway here is that light therapy 
safely and mm-hmm. non-invasively can pass right through the skull to the brain to the spinal cord and can stimulate all these pathways that are critical to good neurological function mm-hmm. can actually slow down the progression mm-hmm. of neurodegenerative diseases and hopefully reverse some of the effects see that's the promise there that's the hope yeah. you know like you mentioned the the medications don't reverse it they help you deal with it yeah whereas what i'm hearing light therapy potentially not only slows but potentially can reverse that's right that's right and that that gives that can give people hope yeah so if you're a patient mm-hmm. and you're dealing with this or you've got a loved one who's dealing mm-hmm. with this what's your next question how do i do it yeah how do you do it that's a great question that's exactly right so what do i do okay if this is what so do great do? how do we do it well um there are some home units out there for light therapy they are still very unproven but in the future as this develops more they could be a great tool to being able to you know use at home hopefully there is a cost barrier right now Mm -hmm. um and a lot of the home units that are sold out there uh unfortunately are really unreliable they may not put out the, the, the right color of light they may not put out as much light as they even say there's not as much regulation uh, right now of, of those devices so I'm hopeful that in the next few years we do get to the point where there are home units that could be used because in a lot of cases like I mentioned two to three times a week that needs to be the treatment needs to be delivered that can get tough if you're going to a doctor's office for that but right, right. now that's really what we're restricted to mm-hmm. you need the good equipment that you'll find at a laser therapy clinic and you need an experienced clinician who knows what to do they need to have protocols right right so that's what I'm going to tell you laser therapy institute clinics are your best choice They've been vetted as far as the equipment they're using. We know they have reliable and effective equipment. And we also know that they've got the right protocols to be able to use their lasers in a very effective way. Mm-hmm. You do have to realize this is all still very experimental though, right? So we can't make any guarantees or promises. Mm-hmm. The, re- the, the research shows good results. The clinical experience that we have and that our LTI clinics have is also very positive Mm -hmm. so there is a lot that our clinics might be able to help with in this regard to realize it's still being experimental Mm -hmm. there's not going to be insurance coverage of this as with so many things out there that do work and can work extremely well the insurance companies simply have not gotten on board with this yet for a number of different reasons but Mm -hmm. so realize this is going to be something that is more than likely going to be out of pocket but can be really reasonable. And when we're talking about reversing an irreversible disease, it's probably worth looking at. You, you have to do the cost analysis, you know, spending money for all this medication that may not get you change. Combine that with laser therapy and maybe have some change. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, a, there's potential there. There is potential there. Mm-hmm. If you have questions for us, please get a hold of us. You can email us info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. You can also just reply on Facebook. You can go to our website. There's a contact Mm -hmm. us form there. You can find more episodes of this podcast on our website or on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. I'll ask you if you would do me a favor. If you're on Apple Podcasts especially, scroll to the bottom of the the screen there and you can leave us a rating and review and that helps us get the word out to other people and also gives us some feedback on what we can improve and what we do well. And other than that, we'll see you back here in a couple weeks. Thanks. Subscribe to this weekly podcast for more great information. 
find a certified laser therapy clinic near you at lasertherapyinstitute.org. If you're a healthcare provider, check out our practitioner-focused Laser Therapy Institute podcast. Thanks for listening.